This is the Bigger Pockets podcast. That's what I'm talking about. You guys, that's my mom. <laughs> Give it up Hi, mom. everyone. Hi, Josh's mom. This is the Bigger Pockets podcast. Show 206. From there, it sort of steamrolled. And in the last 10 months, uh, since that first property, you've done 22. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, man? Look who's back, Josh Dorkin, after leaving almost, what, three weeks, a month? Well... (laughs) It's it's been, it's been a, a very while. difficult few weeks. Let's I know. Just put it, yeah. yeah, everything everything good now. Uh, um, well, first off, thank you to to Dave and Mindy and yeah. Brandon, you guys for holding down the fort. Yeah, I well, I mean, so basically, we we had some family stuff going on. My dad got very sick and um, had to have some emergency heart surgery, and you know the doctors really saved his life. You know, it, it wasn't looking good and, and, and they came in and, and did magic and, and he's still recovering right now. But yeah, I've been, you know, I've been out dealing with family, uh, family things and helping out. And, and yeah, well, first, you know, thank you to everybody who's listening, who has been supportive. And this has been a tough time, very, very, very difficult time. And I do appreciate all the support that I have gotten. Although I think this is the most public I've gone about the situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. So, a big thanks to everybody. It, it, it's been rough. It's been rough on everybody. And, you know, my, my job has really been to be supportive to my family and be there for my mom and, you know, help out advocating for my dad and everybody else. So thanks to everybody. But we are back today. We have an unbelievable show. Um, yeah. Again, I, I heard the last couple of shows have been fantastic. People really liked Minnie and Dave and, and uh, you know, I don't know. I'm a little offended. I'll be honest. <laughs> they're, they're good. They're good hosts. I, yeah. I stayed co-host. They they took over host. You know, I don't want to step on your toes. So you know, it was good shows. They even let me. Mindy, oh, Mindy didn't oh, let me. Let you? No, Mindy she, didn't let me. Yeah, she let you. <laughs> she interrupted me. And then Dave let me do the intro of one of the shows. It was pretty. It was pretty remarkable. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> we love those guys. Those uh, those guys are going to be filling in. You know, give Brandon and I breaks when we need it. Um, you know, we we've heard great things about. We know they're awesome, but you know, you guys have really loved them, so we're really pleased. Anyway, we got a great show today. Very very exciting show with a fantastic guest. This guy started investing while active duty in the military, and. In very short time, in two years, has has done some incredible stuff. In the last year alone, he's, I think he's uh, renovated, rehabbed like 21 properties. Um, it's it's remarkable uh, how he did it, how he came to it. Really, really cool. So we'll get into that. But before we do, why don't we get to today's quick, quick tip? Quick tip. All right, today's quick tip. So you might be listening to this after Christmas because this show does come out a couple days before Christmas. My quick tip today is, you know, at Christmas dinner or when you're with family and and, and friends hanging out, like don't be afraid to talk a little bit about your real estate investing. And I say that because a couple reasons. One, you never know if one of your family members maybe someday wants to partner with you or maybe wants to be a private lender. Or uh, more likely, maybe they know somebody who, hey, you know, yeah, I got this guy at work who's actually been talking about real estate or, you know, I got my cousin does it, you know, whatever. Uh, It's a good time just to kind of bring that up. I mean, don't dominate conversations, but don't be afraid to talk a little bit about your real estate. You never know where it might lead you. Yeah. And you could even do that during Hanukkah dinner or, or you could doing it like your Festivus celebration, perhaps (laughs) my Festivus. I, I, uh, I, I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to, uh, wow. Wow. Should I know what that is? I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, it's it's a Seinfeld reference. I was going to say, I think that was Seinfeld. That's, I just thought it was yeah, something like that. Yeah, of strength. Come on, Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> I don't All know. right, never mind. Never mind. All right, well, anyway, that was a quick tip. So. All right, guys, so this is show 206 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 206. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. 
Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You guys, for Christmas, I want one thing from you. If you have not yet left us a rating and review on iTunes, please take five minutes, jump on iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Those things really, really help us. Subscribe to the show if you're not doing so already. And lastly, share it. If you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to more than five episodes, it means you kind of like what we're doing here. Let people know. Post uh, the link biggerpockets.com slash podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, to your friends and family. Share it to people. Let people know that this is a great show. Help us help us to grow the show. Help us to educate more real estate investors and get more people successful. Uh, help us out if you could. We really would appreciate that. Yeah, we would. All right, should we get into this? Let's do this. Let's do it. All right, guys. Today's show is with special guests. They're all special. But today's special guest is Joseph England. Joe England, uh, like I said, real estate investor from the Baltimore area. Joe's only 32 years old, full-time active duty member of the U.S. Army and has been for the last 11 years. He's deployed over 10 times to countries in Africa, Asia, and Europe. And he is now having massive success in his real estate investing career. He's a good guy. He's got a great story. And he's got a great why. He's got an unbelievable why. So stay tuned. Listen up and let's hear from Joe. All right, Joe, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. It's great to be here. Great, great. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're talking about your story. You, you actually came to us uh, here. You, you know, came to our attention, I guess, because I'm getting there. I'm getting Seriously, there. Spit it out. No, he, spit it out. Joe wrote, I know I've been gone from the show for like two <laughs> weeks. have been gone for like forever. But we had a great like time without you. hasn't been around here. Let's three, get this thing going. Three weeks, actually. Right. Three weeks in a row. Has it been you know, three weeks? It has been three weeks. It's been it's been Ouch. really sad. Yeah, I know. Well, you're Joe, back, sadly. So Joe, let's get to this thing. All right. You probably didn't miss Joe, you. Can I ask? Yeah, you a question? I did not. Yeah. Okay. Ask him a question sure. and then let me get to my question. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> All right. So my question is, okay, so you came to our attention because on the forums, you wrote uh, kind of a success story and it was amazing. Yes. And so that's what we're talking about today. Kind of like how you got started, where you came from. I think it should be kind of fun. So why don't we just start at the very, very, very beginning. Who are you and uh, how'd you get into real estate? So I'm 32 years old. I've been in the military for 11 years now. And, and you, you, for, look it. you look it. You look it. What's that? You look it. 
Well, you, I know. Like, can Are you, you going to challenge you, him to fight Brandon? I, I would never challenge. Can you give me like, like a, can you flex just like to the camera? It's, it's, it's not impressive. It's actually it is pretty, impressive. You I'm look at about. that. Yeah. His, okay, everybody. His, <laughs> his biceps are larger than my waist. So. All right. So you look, you've been in the military. All right. Yeah. And my, my job within the military is always, I deploy a lot and I've been deployed over 10 times to Africa, Asia, Europe, places like that. And when I'm not deployed, well, I guess the combination of deployments and trips away, I'm usually gone nine months out of the year. So I pretty much had every excuse in the book not to start real estate because I've always wanted to begin in real estate. And about a little over two, two and a half years, it was the summer of 2014. I was in a school for four months down in Florida and uh, the whole ISIS thing had kicked off in Iraq. And I got notified that when I got back, I was going to be on standby for deployment to go to Iraq as far as the the few the people that were going back to Iraq is is in response to that uh, incident so and at that point I had lived in my apartment for 2 years in Baltimore City that I'd planned just to live there for a year and it you know I guess two and a half years later I was still living there and hadn't bought a house and this thing came up and I was like before I'd heard about the Iraq thing I had every intention to go home and start my search for my house and then this came up and I was like oh maybe I'll push it off again I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to do this. So started searching, was able to finally find a house. But at that point, when I got a house under a contract, I was notified that I was leaving two weeks later. So this was uh, the middle of November. So instead of you know letting that deter me, I set up a bunch of power of attorneys and got my dad to basically buy the house while I was in Iraq. And ended up closing on it in, I think, the either end of January 2015 or early February. And then I had arranged for two roommates to move in before I even came home and was already house hacking before I even stepped uh, into the house. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was the start of my first property purchase. Okay. As far as the investment portion, I always knew I wanted to, but sort of like an interesting thing is like about a week before I was supposed to leave for the deployment, I fell asleep watching TV and suddenly I woke up and there was a infomercial for Yancey Real Estate and going to one of their like guru seminars and I've never called, you know, an infomercial in my life, but I decided, you know, what the hell? So I called this thing 3.30 in the morning, decided to go, went there, and it was very, you know, obvious, you know, the stories they tell the gurus. There was people, obviously, implants, actors, you know, but it still kind of sparked an idea in both me and my partner who had went at the time. And so uh, we then got introduced to Bigger Pockets, and then I left on this deployment a week later, and then... You know, I was working average like 15 hour days, seven days a week. But the few hours that I had free time, I uh, would spend that either listening to Bigger Pockets podcast or some book that, you know, on the Bigger Pockets, I guess, reading list. Sure. So that's awesome. Nice. Hey, I, w- I want to go back really quick because you had talked about power of attorney. For those people who don't understand or know what that is, can you just explain really quickly? So because I wasn't able to be there and physically be able to sign, in order for someone else to sign for me, and especially because it was you know, there's a little more red tape involved because it was a VA loan, that someone actually had to sign for me and physically be there. So my father, who actually lives in Lakewood, Washington, came all the way out and uh, signed for me in my stead. And that's what the power attorney was giving him power to sign for me. Right on. That's awesome. Well, you know what what I love about that is like, you know, you kind of mentioned already, you had like every reason not to get involved with real estate because you're like, well, I'm in the military. I'm going to be traveling a lot. I better not. And, or, you know, most people out there probably would not have done it anyway. But I just love the fact yeah. that you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. And then when you ran across the difficulty, instead of again saying, okay, well, let's just forget it. I'm leaving in two weeks anyway. You found a way to make it happen. And I, I just hope that's a, like a lesson to everyone listening to this is like, no matter what excuse you think you have for why now is not a good time to do it. And maybe you'll just do it later. Like there's no time like the present, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm the master of making excuses because I made excuses for years. You know, I'm, for the longest time, the majority of my free time was spent playing video games or going yeah. out and drinking and, you know, living the nightlife, I guess. And sure. decided it was time to be serious. Makes there sense. You go. So, so anyway, so you started, started learning great. about real estate, watching the late night infomercials and found bigger pockets, uh, started listening to this and reading books and all that good stuff. I uh, just had like curiosity, like when you were starting, like what books did you read? Like what was the, what, what were the big books back then that got you kind of excited? This was 15, right? January, 2015. 
The yeah. Yeah, it was okay. about January 2015. Well, first was the Beginner's Guide to Beginner's Ultimate. Nice. Beginner, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a good the, ultimate, the Ultimate Beginner's Guide yeah. to Real Estate Investing by Josh Dorkin and Brandon Tudor. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, that's I did not bad. ask you. I did not ask you that because I knew you were going to say that. I just asked you because I was actually yeah. curious. But that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what else? And then from there, I went to because I always, you know, liked the idea of rehabbing because sure. when I was in college, I ended up becoming an apprentice carpenter to help rebuild my sister's roof. Oh, and, nice. you know, who builds a flat roof in Lakewood, Washington? But apparently no. <laughs> she bought the only flat roof in Washington. And we spent six months building it, only to find out the guy who had written the plans had, I guess, put the trusses backwards. And then it was oh, not to code. And they had to tear it back down and end up paying some other Whoopsie. contracting company to do it anyways. Yeah, good lesson learned, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Flat, nice. flat roofs out here, not a good idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've got this first deal. You've gone, you bought it, your dad took care of all the the business. You come back, you've got these two roommates who are in there, and you're making money off of it, I'm assuming, at this point, by the time you you get back from your deployment, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So so actually, the the investment part actually started while I was in Iraq. So at that point, I decided to partner up with my uh, my girlfriend at the time. But so we basically developed a plan and she is actually a a diplomat in the department of state and she was actually stationed in jamaica when we decided to start this venture together so we together through you know skype and all you know communication and our few hours that we had apart you know being in different time zones we basically organized um our plan to hit as soon as i got back the week that we were going to have properties ready to go and look at and we wanted to start our investment career as soon as possible so we picked, we, you know, I lived in Baltimore, so we picked out a few areas and we ended up using my real estate agent that used to buy my original house. And she ended up working out amazing, still on my main real estate agent to the, this day and it's just awesome. So we basically ended up having like a good 30, 40 houses that we wanted to look at and much to the dismay of my real estate agent, we <laughs> saw those probably in the first two weeks, like every single one, because I didn't know really quite what I was doing other than what I'd read, yeah. you know, from Jay Scott's book and you know other stuff like that. But from there, we basically ended up putting an offer on every single house, minus like the few that had like foundational problems. And uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, one of our, I guess, uh, way way behind how we do offers is uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, when putting an offer, if you're not embarrassed by your offer, yeah. it's too high. Yeah. So we we frequently were putting in these extremely embarrassing low offers. And, you know, of course, <laughs> most were rejected. Yep. Most were like, you know, but, uh, you know, there were a few that actually came back and you were able to instantly tell who was serious and who wasn't, you know, who's motivated. Yeah. And we were able to quick, after a few weeks, we got one property under contract. And then a few days later, we got a second one. And then about a month later, we actually found a third property on Craigslist which ended up being our first sort of uh, property in a Section 8 house. We bought it for $35,000. This is a rehab. This is like a turnkey itself. $35,000, and it rents for $1,000 a month. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So you said, so you bought basically three, you came home. Three in a month, right? You had three deals. Yeah, three, three, probably a month, month and a half. That's awesome. So the, the first one... Uh, the the second and third one were turnkeys. The first one needed work, and I ended up doing the work myself. Okay. And then, you know, obviously you can see the appreciation that you got from doing the rehab yourself. And then from there is basically when I decided that I no longer wanted to buy turnkeys. I didn't want to pay for anybody else's, you know, um, rehab profits. You know, sure. I wanted those to be mine. So basically then we kind of took a break for like six months and then, you know, to around like Christmas time, I started looking at more distressed properties because I, I came up with the idea that I wanted to just rehab properties, wanted to do the birth strategy, I wanted to flip. And I started looking at more houses, doing the same process and uh, got a house under contract, closed on my first distressed property, January of 2016. And uh, from there, I sort of steamrolled. And in the last 10 months, uh, since that first property, I've done 22. Whoa. Wow. Oh my uh, God! You've done twenty-two units or twenty-two properties. Twenty-two properties. They're oh all individual single-family houses. Are and those all flips? Or all re- they're all rehabs in some form. Wow. I, no, I take that back. One of them, we ended up buying one other turnkey. It just ended up being this really good property with this high-paying rent, uh, renter in it, and um, we were just okay. Well, threw down wow. another conventional loan on that in the midst of these. So there were twenty-one rehabs. Hey, so wow. Joe, I got a, a couple of questions on this. Yeah. So first, you're, you're saying the word turnkey. 
can you define it as you're saying it? Because I, I think there's various interpretations of what okay. a turnkey property is, and I, so I just want people yeah. to understand specifically how you're defining it. Yeah. So my 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 definition of a turnkey is a house that is already rehabbed and ready to go, ready to go, and basically rent ready. Okay. Uh, you Perfect. don't need to really do much work to it. You know, somebody did the work already. Yeah, and it's somebody good already go. did the work. So okay. that is my definition of a turnkey. Okay, perfect. How, you know, 22 properties over the course of a year, were they all in distressed neighborhoods, uh, you know, that $30,000, dollars $50,000 price range, or, you know, did it vary? Uh, actually, it varied greatly. So my first house is in the kind of like A-class neighborhood, Baltimore City, known as Canton. It was valued, valued at over 400000 And then I would say majority of my properties is sort of like a B-class, B-minus kind of class where the ARV is around $150,000. And so majority of them would be buying for 50 to 60, maybe $65,000, rehab them for about $30,000, maybe a little bit more depending on the property. And then we would then either flip or refinance out of them. And the ARV would generally be around 150. So like the lowest one was like 144. We had one go up to 160 for a flip. So okay. And then we've okay. got a, a number of them in also the distressed areas probably have about a seven in the kind of the Section 8 neighborhood specifically. It's actually in the same neighborhood we bought the first house from Craigslist. They're all within a two block radius of okay. that house. So 22 properties in a year, not even a year, what are we at? 11 months is considerable. You know, you're a guy who's out of the military. I, I hope don't, don't, don't come jump through the screen and, and hurt me. But you know, I'm assuming you're not loaded, and 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 so my question is, how are you financing? You know, how'd you end up financing 22 properties over the course of the last year? I mean, it se it seems like a lot. I'm assuming you did some creative stuff in order to get to the point where you can really start to scale it. So I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. So we used all sorts of different type of financing, and and actually of the 22, we we've had a number of properties under contract, but there's never been a property that we had to forgo due to financing. We've every single property that we've gotten, we've been able to get fine financing, and almost majority of them, we didn't have financing secured when the contract was ratified. So I kind of almost finds a little, I wouldn't recommend that for beginners, but it's an extra motivation. But, it, you know, the, if it's a good property, the money is there. So my very first rehab property, you know, we both me and my partner, we didn't have money, really. I had a number of investments that I had uh, accrued over, uh, you know, the 11 years. Well, they weren't doing very well in the stock market. And so I decided to liquefy my entire non-retirement investment account which actually paid for the purchase and the rehab of my first re my actual rehab property. Then I ended up refinancing out of that, getting my money back. And then for the second property, while the first one was still going on, I was able to find private financing through a guy who I actually served in the military with. He actually flips houses and we were really good friends. And so we, he'd been doing it for years and uh, we sort of started doing a partnership where he would help me find the, the money and the, the financing for a few of the properties. But, you know, he, he only had a limited number of, of private lenders. So then on my third property, I used a hard money lender. On my fourth property, I used a combination of a private money lender and a hard money lender. I mean, and then ever since then, it's been a combination of that pretty much private money, hard money and my own money to finance every single property. It's fantastic. Love, yeah, I love that creativity. I love just, you know, you're, you're figuring out, you're putting, I mean, so people are always want to know about creative finance. Like, what's the best way to finance a deal? And like, the way that you're kind of saying it, exactly what I've found is, like, every deal is different. You just figure it out. You put together a little bit of this strategy, a little bit of this one, a little bit of this one, and you kind of put it all together, and it, it makes the financing work. And it's kind of cool to hear your story of that. Yeah. I actually, there's a... a a funny joke that me and my partner made the other day, just in kind of relation to this. And, you know, real estate's kind of like uh, an accidental pregnancy. You know, you'll figure it. You'll, you know, at the end of the day, you'll figure it out or you'll end up on Team Mom or maybe. Whoopsie. Even <laughs> I love that. I love, it is kind of like, right? It's like, oopsie. Well, now I got it. I better figure out how to make this work. Like, it's, it's, it's very true, you know, and it's, it's stressful sometimes. And sometimes you end up on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> you look, you look kind of stupid, but you know, like Brandon, is that how you got on TV? That is, that's right there. I was on Teen Mom. 
Yeah, or even worse, the DP podcast. <laughs> yeah, even or worse. Even, <laughs> even worse. Ouch, Joe. Ouch. Hey, Brandon, we've got to this go. Guy. We're having technical difficulties. <laughs> I think we are. I think we are. <laughs> All right. No, I, I, I love that. You know, one thing I talk, um, I mentioned in the, uh, what, the book on investing in real estate with no and low money down is that real estate is a lot like a toolbox, right? So if you have like one tool in that toolbox, you can do like, like imagine you wanted to go build a house, but all you have is a hammer. You couldn't do it. But if you have a hammer and a saw, now you can do a little bit more. Hammer, saw, screwdriver, now you can do more. Basically, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the bigger projects you can take on. So that's what creative finance is like, right? Just get as many tools, you know, metaphorically speaking, in your, in your head as you can get. Figure out how does hard money work? How does private money work? How does, you know, house hacking work? How does all this stuff work? And then when you have a deal, you just figure it out. You put together what you know, and you can take on some pretty cool projects. Exactly. That's awesome. All right, so go ahead, Josh. You were... No, I, I was. I was going to jump in at the bit. No, I'm not jump, <laughs> jumping. I'm not jumping at anything. Relax, relax. <laughs> All right. So back back to these 22 deals. That's that's a lot of work. I mean, that averages out to you know about a little less than two per month. Who? How are you crewing these these rehabs up? Do you have one team? Do you have multiple teams that are working on multiple projects at the same time? Uh, what is what does your infrastructure look like? So originally, I started on the first rehab. I I didn't have a GC at the time. I purchased the house and I actually even closed on it before I even had a general contractor. But I, uh, on my very first property, I had, I think it was six general, different general contractors that I'd gotten references from to come out and do a bid. And, you know, we had bids, I think it was like 16,000 all the way up to 50,000 for the exact same scope of work that I had put up. And, you know, a lot you can tell from general contractors, you know, when doing the bidding process is one, you know, their price and two, how long it takes them to get it back to you. You know, the one guy who came at 50,000, like took almost two weeks to get it back to me. But the guy I ended up going with who bid the property, I think for 23,000, which is what I am going with, uh, he did it in two days. And he actually is still my main general contractor and actually my pseudo project manager to help supervise other general contractors we brought on board. Nice. So. I think that's a great, actually a great tip is the contractors that get back to you fairly quickly. Like in, in what I'm thinking just in my past few years, those are the guys that I am using a lot more as well. It's like they're responsible enough to get you back a bid. They're probably yeah. responsible enough to manage their time to do a flip as well or to do exactly. a rehab. Now, what, what of the idea that those guys are getting back because nobody wants to hire them or because, <laughs> I mean, that's look, there's different ways to look at it, right? Yeah. Sure. At the end of the day, it's a business. And if you really want, you know, my business, you're going to, you know, you're going to put some effort into it and get, get off your ass. So <laughs> there, there you go. go. Brandon, get off yeah. your ass. I'm trying. So, I'm but, trying. <laughs> but it started with one. And then over time, we then through this whole process, we've created new problems. And, you know, and one of my favorite books, you know, the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, he says, yeah. you can measure success by creating new problems. And we, you know, then created, we, we then had so many houses, but we didn't have enough general contractors. So then we then created, we found more general contractors, and then we had so many properties and so many general contractors that we were then running out of money to finance all these properties. And so every single time, it's you know forced us to you know find new ways to either find contractors, find properties, or find financing. And so far, it's uh, we haven't haven't slowed down yet. That's, That's awesome. Great. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. 
With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, so, you know, you're, you're, you're a freight train, right? You're going, you're, you're rocking and rolling, moving forward. Why? Like, what's, what's the goal? I assume you, I, well, I don't, I should assume nothing, but are you still in the military? Are you out? Are you trying to, you know, become a bazillionaire? Are you, you trying to just, you know, build enough wealth to kind of live off of what's, what's kind of the path? So, you know, of course, one is economic freedom, you know, or financial freedom, but mainly is a, you know, causes that are more kind of like, you know, close to my heart, you know, through like deployments in different places and especially Africa, you know, you see a lot of like hunger and stuff like that. And there's a lot of issues that go on in these countries. And there are a few organizations that are actually, you know, have like former military guys like myself and, you know, who go there and try to advise the local governments and help try to, you know, combat some of these uh, militias that are stealing food from, you know, countries in Africa. And my goal is I want to eventually get, you know, to a point where I can, my real estate empire can help fund one of these, you know, these efforts to combat, you know, hunger and, you know, the violence in a lot of these places. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, that. Brandon, it's not true what you were saying about him before he came on the show. <laughs> what was I saying about him? I, I like this. He's a, he's a good guy. Oh, seriously. Thanks. Like thanks. You should he's just, not, he's you just should jealous not. that my beard's actually nicer than his. Yeah. It, it, is, it is nicer. Whatever. Yeah. You, you know, just shorter, you have but a, nicer. Shorter. Well, what, what I was doing, I was doing the no shave November, right? And I just, now we're in December, and I'm like, oh, let's just see how long I can get this thing. So my goal now it's been is November for a while. Now, now we're gonna do no shave 2000, <laughs> no shave 2017. That's what this That's is. Great. Yeah, That's great. so we'll see a year yeah. from now how I'm at. So okay, let me jump back in here. So first of all, I love that you have that why. I think that's fantastic, and I think that yeah, is important great. for everyone. Like, you want something bigger than just getting rich, right? Like. Like if that's your whole goal in life is to get rich, you'll get there with real estate, then you'll be miserable and you won't know what to do next, right? And so like, I love the idea of, of having something a little bit bigger and it keeps you kind of focused when you're like, you know what, this is hard work and I don't really care about getting rich that much. But instead of being like, oh, this is hard work, but hmm, there's kids dying in Africa. Well, you know, okay, I, I, I'll get back up and go do some more work. So I love that. All right, so but going back to what you said earlier about you bought some houses in really nice areas, some in kind of the middle class areas. Then you bought some in like you said, I think class D or, you know, like the really yeah, cheaper end. I want to, I want to talk about that for a little bit. What has that been like? I mean, like, have those been terrible? Have they been okay? Evictions? So, you know, uh, Baltimore, you know, it has its own reputation and, <laughs> um, you know, it's still better than Detroit, but, um, <laughs> I think I saw the wire once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually think some of my properties are in in that show. Oh, fun. nice! <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, when you're when you're doing these um, lower income, you know, houses, you know, your cash flow is you really can't beat it. But one of the side effects of that is your analysis and due diligence that you have to perform on these houses is a lot. You know, has to be it has to be a, a higher degree of scrutiny, and your block to block analysis, and I mean that by block to block analysis, has to be like dead on. You have to like know these. Like you can look on a, a map and Zillow, and Zillow can tell you the Z estimate, but that doesn't tell you anything, especially in these areas in Baltimore City. 
So, like, for example, there is an area that we, we rent majority of our Section 8, our, those type properties. Not everybody is Section 8. We actually have a bunch of, mar- half of them are actually market, actually more majority of them are actually market tenants and not actually voucher tenants. But if we see anything on the 2,500 block or 2,400 block or even lower, we don't even touch it. But the 2,600 block, that's that 26, 27, 2,800 block, that's money. And between these, uh, probably it's probably a, a nine block radius, three blocks up, three blocks down. Uh, it's been a nice, it's a, it's a nice friend, quiet pocket. So can you ex- explain like the difference between in, in those low income areas, the quiet pockets versus the not so quiet pockets? I mean, how would somebody know the difference? How would somebody who is, you know, is willing to work in, in a tougher neighborhood for a potential higher return. How do they not get screwed? I, I invested in a tougher neighborhood and I thought I was in a quieter block and I might have been, I, yeah, I was 2,000 miles away. I didn't know the block to block area and I, you know, I didn't do so well with that. So I'd, I'd love to learn. So one, you kind of have to drive these areas. You have to be there. Uh, you yep. have to see it for yourself and also different times of the day. Like if you go there, you know, noon, you know, it's, you're not really going to be able to see much, you know, but you can tell a lot. For one is number of board ups. You know, if an entire block is boarded up, you probably want to stay away from that block, you know, or the majority of them, you know. Why, though? Is it, I mean, like, you go, you're an investor, you're like, I've got a whole block. I could buy the, this block cheap, rehab it, and get people in there. I mean, I, that's what that was the, the thinking I, I had when I started to get into real estate. I was like, I saw that as, as real opportunity. And I think a lot of other people do. So I'd love to hear your why on that one. So I think there's sort of a, this is a multifaceted answer to this question. One, you have to think about the tenant, you know, people who want to live there. Nobody wants to live next to board ups. You know, that's one thing. And then two, I don't have the resources to buy entire blocks or two entire blocks. Got this, which, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day, maybe, maybe, maybe in about two months, but you never know. So yeah, a couple months, maybe three. And, you know, there's a, and this kind of goes into another thing. You know, there are people in these areas, actually not that far from where we where we redo the, you know, we rehab these houses and, you know, make it suitable for these tenants. You know, we have these other uh, rehabbers who are buying these houses for $15,000 and putting $100,000 in them and trying to sell them for anywhere from two, $200,000, $300,000. And then the people that live in those areas can no longer afford to live in those areas. You know, they can't buy these houses. So, you know, they become displaced and it becomes another issue, you know, somewhere else within Baltimore. You know, we kind of go in, buy, rehab these houses. You know, I think our typical is we we buy between ten, and 15000 put in twenty dollars to $30,000. You know, don't really spend more between purchase and rehab for $40,000, $45,000. And it's a good house that people can appreciate and you know can live in who already live in that area and one of our kind of that we like to stick to is that it's okay one of the things one of the things that we'd like to you know your criteria when we're we're buying and rehabbing these houses if we we don't rehab a house that we wouldn't live in ourselves you know we don't we don't like the idea of you know the kind of stigma that people get you know like oh you you invest in these low-income houses in baltimore city well you're a slumlord well it's like we're actually trying to make the community better and not just trying to gentrify it and kick people out. That's so. great. I hear that. I, I hear that it. a lot from contractors who, like, I'll go and I'll have a contractor do a job for me, and I'll go in there, and they'll be like, you know, there'll be something wrong, right? Like they just painted over a light switch, and I'm like, hey, you paint over a light switch? It's just a rental. It's you know, it's, whatever. It's just a rental. And I'm like, like at some point, yes, there is. You have to do different work than you're going to do on a, on a flip on a rental property yep. and especially lower income. Even if it's a flip and low income, you have to do different work, but it doesn't mean you have to do bad work or sloppy work. And uh, I think I think a lot of I don't know people get that wrong. They just think, oh, slumlord, or you know, you're just a landlord. You don't care about quality. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't want me. that. I mean, that's that's you know, well, at least we here at Bigger Pockets. I mean, you know, that's not what we represent, right? I mean, we want real estate investors to do the right thing. We want real estate investors to not be the used car salesman of the housing <laughs> industry. You know, I mean, we want a reputation. I mean, I think it's important that we be looked at appropriately because I think we are doing a good service, at least the vast majority of real estate investors. And I love that, you know, you take such pride in what you do and, and you know, your, your approach is so methodical and meaningful. So I think it's fantastic. It's like, all right. So are you on, on the properties that you're keeping, are you managing them yourself or do you have a management company? So we do about half of them manage myself 
and the other half we have property managers and we didn't we just recently started with the property managers this this past summer and it's actually been a very bad experience really? we went through one property manager and then tried to that it just didn't go very well and then we tried to switch to another one and that actually ended up being even worse so we're in the process of trying to go back to self management for a bit you know, while we kind of go back and then we'll try our, our new plan is to try a property management company on an individual house and then, you know, try yeah. them out instead of giving them like six properties and then it's just not working out well. Like one act uh, had to replace a toilet and gave me an invoice for five hundred dollars. Like it does not oh. cost five hundred dollars to replace a toilet. I can get that oh. done for like one hundred and twenty dollars. Like it's just ridiculous. And they, you know, and when you ask him, because I put specifically in the contract, like, hey, I need to know before you plan to do any repairs. They're like, well, I, I just can't sit here and you know wait for you. I was like, oh, that's wrong answer. You're fired. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. So, one, oh, you know, crazy overcharging. What about the other one? What what went wrong with them? So, they were supposed to hand over to each other. And the the new property manager said that he was going to, you know, he went from door to door and, you know, hey, met all the tenants and like, hey, this is your new payment plan or, you know, this is, you're now paying us. This is how you do it. Well, the next month rolled around and every single tenant except one paid the old property manager. Oh, man. And then we had another house. Uh, we had bought it. It was a, one of these lower income houses and there was a gas problem. And when you go through the Baltimore Gas and Electric BGE out here. It's such a backup, and especially during going into the winter, people want to turn on their gas. Well, this one house was had to they had to dig out the underneath the street to bring in a new gas line from one of the vacant houses next door. So the general contractor or the property manager, the new one, had just come on and he had just placed this new tenant. And he told me, "Hey, I'll take care of it." So a month later, I was like, "Hey, how's everything going? I know this takes a while." And he's like, "Well, I haven't even submitted the paperwork. I haven't, oh. even, got, I haven't even got a pressure test." And he's come like, on. "Oh." I, you know, he's like, you know, trying to, like, I don't even remember that. And I was like, okay. And then, then we, so we started it and then it came down to it. If I remember this correctly, he thought there was an issue with the chimney. And my general contractor came in and even signed a paper saying, hey, no, the chimney's fine. I actually did it myself. And he's like, and I went back to him and he's like, okay, so let's, let's, let's start the process of the BG. Let's get the inspection. Let's get them out there. It can take a month, month and a half from them to get out here once it's actually been inspected. And he's like, well, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And I was mm. like, oh, okay. Okay, so I ended up doing it myself. And it took a month and a half and to actually get the gas turned on in this house. That's, cr- so. that's crazy. So I've experienced the same thing yeah. as, as you, you have um, when, I, when I was working in low-income properties with, with management. It was the same thing, one over one ripping me off on everything from on rehabs, you know, another one not contacting, not taking care of people, another one not screening tenants the way they're supposed to. I mean, absolute nightmare. So, um, you know, that's why we press upon so so strongly to people to do your diligence on on looking for property managers and making sure to get out there and interview them as much as possible. We've got a couple articles, great articles on the topic on how to screen property managers. Uh, we'll link to those in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 206. What, what advice do you have? I mean, given those experiences beyond just those interviews, um, do, do you have any feedback or advice for folks on, on what to avoid potentially in those screenings looking back you know, maybe it's it's kind of hard because the very first the both of these property managers were under on a list that was like pushed out as like top 10 property managers in Baltimore yeah. which is you know obviously not saying much yeah but you know, one, you know, making sure, you know, putting in the contract, like some of these guys will sneak in, you know, certain things in the contract, like, hey, you have to have us for a year. You know, I would say if you're trying a new property manager, you know, make that a trial period, you know, maybe a few months instead of a whole year and then staying on top of them and making sure that they're doing exactly what they say they're doing. And, you know, make sure, you know, especially at the beginning portion that any repairs or anything like that you should be consulted by you and then once you feel comfortable then you can sort of let them go on autopilot and just not really you know you know to have to over you know micromanage them as much so makes sense makes sense good good feedback yeah all right so kind of one of my last questions here um how are you finding 
properties? Like, how, wh- there's a lot of properties to find, especially when you're still working yeah. and involved in military and all that. How do you do that? So we actually, um, I actually find majority, of them, almost all of them, but a majority of them on the MLS and Zillow. Um, and this is one of the things that about Baltimore and Baltimore City, to be exact. So everybody around here is like scared of the city. There, you know, even people who live just outside the city in the county. You know, I've, I've run into contractors, investors, and I'll be like, I mean, a property manager, property manager, contractor, and be like, hey, you know, I'd like to do business. Like, okay, great. You know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I like working with investors. And I'm like, well, he's like, where are your properties on Baltimore City? He's like, nope, sorry, I don't do that. I don't go in yeah. there. And one of the things that comes to our advantage is that people are scared, you know, either whether it's, you know, because of the high property taxes, you know, the high utility bills, the, the tenant friendly laws. And, you know, even you know, it's uh, reputation from, you know, the riots, you know, the other year. And actually, a little side note, I was actually in my very first RIA meeting when the city declared a state of emergency. And we actually got kicked out of the RIA meeting because of the Freddie Gray riot. And actually, we ended up going back to my house and actually could see the fire from my house. Oh, wow. um, and ended up purchasing some houses not that far from those fires. So, but because of this, you know, I really don't have that much comp. There really isn't that much competition because I've, I've went out in the county and I've even done some deals in D.C. And, you, you know, you go from, you know, like a, any property in D.C. is going to have 20, 20 to 30 different people competing for that offer. You know, maybe the county, maybe it's a little bit less, but you're looking 10 to 15. Maybe Baltimore City, you're looking at three, you know, other people trying to compete. And especially if you're in these kind of like not as well-known areas or the, you know, the already established, hey, this is a good area. You know, one of the things I look for is these like kind of like fringe areas, you know, these developing areas as people's, you know, things are going on. And we're able to, been able to find almost all our deals on Zillow and still to this day. Cool. But, you know, I probably put in like a couple offers every day, like everything I see, you know, almost any house is a deal if you get it for the right price. So I pretty much put an offer on everything that I see. And, uh, you know, they're all embarrassing low and some come most of them don't come back at all. But, you know, we occasionally get some and we're actually some we're even surprised. What does your agent say about that? How, how do they feel about submitting all these really, really low offers that they know the odds are really slim? Because a lot of agents, I think, would say F off. Yeah. So my my real estate agent, Carrie Walling, uh, at the beginning, she wasn't I don't think she was quite the fan of it. And then she was able to develop a, a streamlined process for her through her kind of like her systems and how she does things to where that she was able to start pumping out offers instead of individually writing each one. So she ended up fixing her own problem, you know, and still accommodating me. And she's been a huge part to my success. Yeah. Nice. I love I love that. You know, on every like every single week, you know, I host the Bigger Pockets webinar usually on Wednesdays and one of the things I'd say over and over and over, I talk about this funnel. Like if you want to buy more deals, you have to make more offers. If you want to make more offers, you've got to analyze more deals. If you want to analyze more deals, you got to get more leads coming in, you know, figure out your lead source. If you just get the, like those four parts of the funnel down, you're going to do all right. And I think you're like a perfect testament to that. You're just you're making offers and yeah, a lot of them are going to get it rejected, but that's okay. There's always somebody else who's going to say yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, by, by the cool. way, you can track and manage everything Brandon just talked about on Bigger Pockets. We've got tools for all of that. So, do. Uh, check it out at biggerpockets/analysis. Hey, so Joe, I, I've got one last question before you move to the fire round. You know, you're a guy who started doing all this while you were active duty in the military. We actually wrote uh, a piece. Uh, Brandon wrote it. It's called "Investing in American Real Estate While Serving in the U.S. Military." Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash. 206. But what would you tell your peers in the military who are, you know, thinking about, hey, you know, I, I know there's ways I can, you know, be making some money and doing some of this other stuff while I'm serving abroad or even at home, just, you know, in, in different bases around the country. What kind of advice would you give to those guys who are like, I don't know, it's going to be too hard or, you know, have complaints, excuses, that kind of stuff? You know, it's. Or are scared. Yeah, well, what I say is really one of my favorite quotes is actually by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he says, it's important to have fun in life, of course. But when you're out there partying, horsing around somewhere out there at the same time, someone at the same time, someone is working hard, someone is getting smarter and someone is winning. And for the longest time, like I was, you know, probably your typical military guy. I just, you know, when I was home, I just had fun. But, you know, it's what you do in your free time, you know, that really denotes your success 
you know, especially if you have a full-time position. And even when you're deployed and you have very little time, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go off, you know, play video games, you know, you can, you can do a lot of different things, but you know, at the end of the day, what are you working towards and how are you spending your time? I love it. That's a great quote from a, a, a real estate investor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, too bad we can't get him. We got to get him on the show. I don't yeah, know. if anybody's got a connection to to Arnold, you know, and and wants to help us get him on the show, we we'd love that. That would be pretty great. So I have yes. one one last question before I head to the fire round. A few times you've sent Sue said we. I'm wondering, are you still working with that girlfriend or ex girlfriend now, or are you have different partners? Are you doing this alone? Do you how's that work? Yes, yes, and yes. So we still uh, do. Um, and actually, funny thing. So when I went to Iraq and then came back, and then we were there home for two months, she took leave, came back, and. Then she went to Iraq after that, and then I was back here doing a lot of the property management. And then I actually went on two other deployments, as well as a, a bunch of personal trips on the you know throughout the world. So we almost the entire time we've never been in the exact same place. But then I started doing uh, I started partnering up with uh, one of uh, my buddies from the from my uh, my former unit. His name is Ben Smith, and he's the guy who is. Uh, a rehabber and just amazing experience, and uh, you know we we've partnered together and be able to you know make so many deals happen that without the partnership probably would never have happened. And so, and I'm always looking for more partnerships. Another guy I work with, we're actually starting our first project properties together, and we're actually closing on two at the same time on December 23rd. Nice, yeah, so, that's awesome. Cool. Day before, nice. day, so Christmas Eve Eve. Merry Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to make awesome. that up. Early I, Christmas. Hey, you like that? Yeah, early, early Christmas presents. Very cool. All right, well, hey, let's, let's shift gears here a little bit and head over to the world-famous Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which our listeners can get to by going to biggerpockets.com slash forums. So question number one from the forums. I'm in the military and unsure how to get into real estate investing. What should be my first step? First step would be education. You know, you can, you know, as much as you can talk about will to, you know, to get just, just, just jump right in, but you should spend some time learning the basics, kind of figure out what you want your niche to be, whether it's rehabbing, you know, buy and holds, wholesaling, and do as much education as you can. But don't sit there and, you know, be frozen by, you know, as a paralysis, by analysis. But, you know, eventually you need to jump in, but start with that education. And then once you get to a, you know, a good point, just go ahead and jump in and, you know, see where you go. Nice. Uh, love it. All right, next question. I was wondering how I could go about renting one house to multiple people. Would I have to make one person the head of the household or could I simply collect rent from each person individually? It's a good question. It kind of depends on exactly how you want to do it. Probably the best way to do it is to get, you know, everybody like on the lease and, you know, collect it from one person. But if you're not able to do that, and if you're managing individual rooms, like I was at the time, we just manage a room, someone come in, someone would come out, and then just collect money from them individually. So, But a funny side note is I actually have no longer house hacking this house. I'm actually put it up on Airbnb and nice. uh, just had my first guests come in last weekend, and the next one's come in next two days. How'd they oh, nice. go? Uh, it went well. I got a yeah. five-star rating. Yeah, go. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Told you, cool. Brandon. It's not true. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All Five right. stars, this guy. Five stars. Number three, when you don't have Accidents money. <laughs> when you don't have any money, how do you fund a fixer-upper with the goal of being able to hold it and rent it? In other words, how do you do a burr when you don't have any money? So um, one of... You know, the easiest way to do it is to uh, try to find a family member, you know, private investing. Anything past that, you know, it, it becomes difficult because even hard money lenders who will be, you know, the quickest to give you a loan, even if you don't have experience, depending on who you're talking to, you're still going to require 20% down. So it's difficult. But, you know, private money is your probably best chance of going in with no money and getting a loan for the rehab and the purchase. There you go. Cool. Our last question of the fire round. When analyzing deals, how do I determine how much I should rent a property out for? So anytime that I have a question on whether or not, whether it's a rental comp or an ARV comp, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that there are 
you know, you can try to do everything or you can delegate to the experts. And so at this point, I would always, if I have a question, you know, because Zillow and all those other different websites, they can be off, but the person who knows best are the experts. And so this is where I would then pose that question to my real estate agent and then she'd fire back with either rental comps or ARV comps. And that's pretty much how we get that done. And I don't even try to bother getting in someone else's lane that knows way better than I do. Sure. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, let's shift gears to the final segment of the show, which we lovingly call our famous four. All right. These are the four questions we ask every guest. And I know you've heard a lot of our shows and so you know what's coming. Number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? You know, I actually really do hate to say this just because it's you, but uh, (laughs) I would have to say the book on rental property investing by Brandon Turner was probably, you know, as you sort of watch these podcasts, you sort of, over time, you're kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I could be on there one day. And you start thinking about, hey, what would be my answer and stuff like that. And as I've read books, I'm like, oh, this is my new answer. You know, I'd be like, oh, when I, you know, I really like Jay Scott's book and stuff. But, you know, what I really got out of that book was just kind of like a, a whole, a whole approach just to just the whole concept of, you know, rentals and burrs and stuff like that. And just Thanks. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Sorry, my, Josh. My, my head's a little bigger now. It's, it's no, don't crazy. be sorry because now, yeah, now we have to uh, put up with his crap. You do. Yeah. He, he. Oh God, this well, guy. Oh, I'm gonna make. Stop. I'm gonna make Josh support it even more. Josh, where can people find that book? <laughs> do I have to? You have to. You have to. Okay. Supports uh, the mission of bigger Go to biggerpockets.com slash rental book. It is a great book. And I, I, I think it's fantastic or I wouldn't be publishing it. However, I, you know, he just doesn't need any more of an ego than he I already do. has. I need so a, nicely done, Joe. Nicely done. See, I just, um, I just read uh, that book, Ryan Holiday's book, uh, Ego is the Enemy. So I depressed my ego. So I need to build it back up again right now. Because right now oh, I'm just I like, see, man, I'm yeah, a... Yeah. I'm an idiot, so I need to I need to build it back up. So thank you, you Joe, you for chanting. you could keep chanting that. I will. Yeah, I agree. All right, Joe, <laughs> favorite business book, non real. So my favorite business books. This also kind of like evolved as a reading, but you know, originally for a while I thought it was like the the one thing. But I just recently read the Ten X Rule by Grant Cardone, and you know, my I think that book is amazing. Yeah. Just his whole concept of, you know, massive action, massive success through massive action is just sort of like how I try to model a lot of everything that I do in my life now. So, cool. what do you yeah. do for fun outside of uh, real estate these days? So my, I would say probably like three things is one is I like to travel. Probably I went on like six different trips last 10 months oh, wow. uh, to 11 different countries, including the Olympics. I like to skydive. Probably there's nothing more exhilarating than jumping out of an airplane. And then, uh, strange enough, I in the last few months I started playing polo. And uh, not like, like Marco Polo or like water polo. polo? No, no. Like, actually, I did play water polo in high school, here? but no, it's actually polo with horses. Like with now. a horse. Yeah, and a stick. I'm going to go ride my polo horse now. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't. I don't that know. Cool. I've never met anyone in my life who played polo. It so, sounds like a very difficult sport, by the way. Yeah, it's it's very fast and actually very surprising, surprisingly aggressive. You know, you're a lot of it is, uh, you know, think it's just a like go run around hitting the ball. But a lot of it is actually you riding other people's horses off with your horse. So it's kind of like a. You trying uh, to knock them off their horses? No, no. You just try to push there. You try to drive. Use your horse to drive their horse off off the path of the ball oh, or nice. you know it might even cut them off into the wall stuff like that nice. wow well that's it's like a, it's like modern day jousting or something like yeah. that all right next bigger pockets conference we should have a polo tournament everyone bring their <laughs> bring their horses and uh you know it'll be fun <laughs> that's, that's awesome. pretty cool man that's pretty cool cool by, 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 what's your favorite country you visited out of those 11 brazil was amazing but i have to say one of my favorite trip you know uh, outside of that was uh, went to Os, uh, Tromso, Norway, which is a a town in the within the Arctic Circle, the very northern part of Norway. Went up there with a buddy of mine, and uh, went dog sledding, uh, chased the Northern Lights, and actually went uh, snowmobiling up in the kind of like their they're kind of like their Norwegian Alps up there, and was did all that in three days, and wow, that was awesome. Sounds amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. All right. Well, uh, my last question of the day. Joe, what do you believe sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? 
So I think one is to have passion for something. It goes passion, I think, to be good at something. And if you really want to be truly great at something, you need to be have an obsession to, you know, to be truly great at anything. You have to be obsessed with it. And then that has to be followed by massive action. I like it. I love it. I like it. Sounds like Grant Cardone. You've been listening to a little Grant Cardone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Drinking the juice. Yeah. Uh, Hey, man, before we let you go, where can people find out more about you if they want to reach out and get in touch? You can either find, you know, hit me up on BP or email me at jde at vikingpropertysolutions.net. And that will be the best way to reach me until I finally get my website up. Did you say Viking? Like, Viking Property Solutions. Don't, are don't you get Norwe- your head any bigger, Brandon? Just- no, I was going to say, are you Norwegian? Is that the the Norwegian trip? Was that are you a Viking? You kind of look. No, like it was. It was. It was. It was uh, a a thing before it. So oh, okay. it only reinforced. Nice. You know. Do you like krumkaka? <laughs> I don't know I don't what know that, that is. is. <laughs> They're Norwegian cookies. I've never had. I'm Norwegian. Yeah. I've never had that. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're Norwegian cookies. <laughs> Krumkaka. Yeah, whatever. Wow. Nobody knows. Whatever. 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 All right, Joe. Listen, man, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Uh, astounded by your success. You're doing fantastic things. I love the attitude. I love the mentality. I love how you're out there just killing it. So congrats to you. Kudos on everything you've been able to accomplish. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. And Obviously, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you, seeing you around the Bigger Pockets community, and all the good folks in Baltimore should uh, look forward to seeing you blow that place up, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Hopefully, not blow it up too much. <laughs> yeah, blow it up <laughs> in, in a good, good way. way, not in a bad <laughs> way. Yes, obviously. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, thanks. Take care. Hey, take right. care. All right, guys. That was Joe England. Big thanks to Joe for coming on the show. Great stuff, man. That's great. You know what? You know what's interesting. As I was talking to him, this has nothing to do with real estate whatsoever. I just couldn't help but every time I looked at him, I thought I was talking to Captain America. Like he looks like, <laughs> I get, yeah. yeah, he looks like 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 Chris Evans from you know like the Captain America. He's got like the kind of the hair and he like the yeah the build the military presence. I don't know. I think I for guys like him because yep. like I'm scrawny. <laughs> I know. And, well, you're you're tall and scrawny. I'm, I'm just tall and scrawny. And and. I don't know, you know, <laughs> yoked guys who are out there, like you know, saving our, you know, yep. protecting our country, protecting other people, protecting innocent people around the world, and and doing good. I mean, it's it's amazing. So big, uh, big props to Joe and everybody in the army and the the armed forces here in the U.S. That's that's doing great things for people. We we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, yeah. but awesome show anyway. I mean, I lo- I love his creativity. I love his drive. I love his like, the massive action that he's. I mean, like he massive, perfectly. Yeah. yeah, that perfectly exemplifies his show. It's just massive action. Like he's just yeah. like. I'm going to go look at 40 houses on my two-week break. And like, just, it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. Hey, Brandon. Yes, sir. What are you doing for Christmas this year? What am I doing for Christmas? Is this year? This is, this is Rosie's first Christmas. This is Rosie's first Christmas. So, uh, you know, we've been, I don't know, taking a lot of pictures, going to get a tree today. I just got back from Phoenix where I was hanging out with my good buddy, Ben Labovich and uh, Serge wow. Shukat, two uh, veterans of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Both been on three times, but we sat outside a restaurant and talked real estate for like three hours. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Can't get enough of those guys, can you? I can't get enough of those guys. It was a, it was a great, great weekend. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, talking real estate. Just networking. You know, it's fun. Cool. Out. I love it. I love so, it. What about you? What are you doing for the holiday Christmas the Hanukkah? The Hanukkah holiday. Hanukkah holiday. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we've got my when this thing happened with my dad, it was here in, in Denver. And, yeah. and so my, my parents are actually here with us. We were supposed to go to California and I, I, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't know if I'm going to be here in Denver. I'm going to know. I don't know if I'm going to be in California with my wife. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure um, what, what it's going to look like, but you know, we'll be around family and we'll, we'll be doing our thing. There you go. Well, have fun. Well, well, happy holidays to everybody. We really do appreciate all your support. We appreciate you guys for listening and being a part of the Bigger, Bigger Pockets community. If you're not already a member of Bigger Pockets, jump on the site, biggerpockets.com. Create your free account, free account today. I, I talked about in the show some of the tools that we have, our analysis tools, our calculators. Um, you know, we've, we've been building out a lead manager. We're building out lots of different tools to help real estate investors manage their business and, and scale and build their businesses up. So if you haven't yet explored 
explore that stuff, jump on bigger pockets, check out the different tools on there. And yeah, get in there and create your free account, start networking, building up your team and, and your knowledge and and get out there and make it happen. Um, don't don't just wait till January and make it your your New Year's resolution. Hey, I'm gonna get rich next year. I'm gonna you know make money. I'm gonna you know plan to retire. I'm gonna quit my job or w- whatever your purpose, your reason for listening to us now is. Uh, don't wait. You know, get get started right now and and commit yeah. to yourself to to make things happen because life is short. Uh, at the end of the day, and you got to make it happen. So, with that, thank you, thank you again, Brandon. Great, you know, great having you on the show. Great being on the show again. You thank know, you. Great, great doing this. And and uh, it's good to, to have you back. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I, I do appreciate it. Um, to everyone else, we'll see you next week. Happy holidays. And I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors, large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.